Hello and welcome to the Chini Vision Podcast, a new endeavour from the sick mind that bought you about 430 episodes and counting of honking about old computers on YouTube that nobody under 35 cares about. This podcast isn't going to have any frippery, there's going to be no craft beer by post, no banter and no guffing on for 20 minutes before we get down to business. On this podcast, we're mainly going to be speaking to people like you, people who own these computers and use them, play the games and do all this stuff well, 30 and 40 years after they came out. We're going to speak about your experiences back in the day, where you bought your software and how you used your computers, but also what you collect today and how you keep these things running. So down to business, my first guest is Andy Beld, Beldy from Twitter. He is definitely one of us, as he describes himself as a colossal nerd who hoards computers. I started off by asking him what his first memory of a computer actually was. My very first memory is of a Tandy TV scoreboard, which, as prophecy will say, I already have in my collection. I still have. Um, it's, it was the first time I was conscious of being able to play a game on a television. And it was, it was a very strange little revelation. About a year after that, my dad brought the ZX81 home. And um, that was it, really. That was me locked in. So that rather dates it, doesn't it? So it brought a ZX81 home, so presumably this is 1981. It would have been 81, yeah. That sounds about right. What did you make of the ZX81? Oh, man alive. Um, (laughs) I remember coming home with a magazine with those type-in programs and not knowing enough that it basic had to be on each line. So I just sat and typed the whole thing in on a single line and wondering why it was chucking syntax errors all the time and that kind of thing. Cause I, you know, obviously I hadn't read the manual because even then I was a, you know, no, no, I know better than that. I don't need to read the manual kind of person. And it was frustrating and fascinating in equal measure. It was one of those sort of situations where you, you go, I can see that this is a thing that will become amazing. But this particular thing is really frustrating. And it's so short-lived as well, the ZX80 and the ZX81, and then the Spectrum comes along and it's just a kind of massive, bam, everything changes. Yeah. Like the first time you load a Spectrum game and it sound bursts out of it and it's it's in colour on your screen, things you're like, well, this thing beforehand was quaint, but now it looks like absolute trash. There were other computers around, but I mean, most mm. people weren't being exposed to these. The cost of an Atari, what, £1,000 in today's money, if not yeah. twice that? Absolutely. I mean, I I don't know when the ZX81 arrived, like in what month it arrived in, but I'm very conscious of the fact that my Spectrum arrived on Christmas Day. Like Jet Set really was my first like proper no-fooling computer game, which I guess, yeah, dates me quite a lot, but I'm fine with that. So that would have been a forty-eight k uh, rubber key. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a. Oh, I would have thought it would be an issue too, based on, based on bits of it that I remember. It would have been an issue too. And how many times did it break? Um, it didn't break. It's. It is. That's the the weird thing about it is it's one of my life regrets of not holding on to that particular spectrum. Like so many things in my early computing, it was sold to fund an upgrade. And it breaks my heart that my Spectrum is out there somewhere, not being mine anymore. You know, it's really weird. <laughs> um, so what were you doing on this Spectrum? What games are you playing? Any applications you're using? 
Oh, applications, bless. You brought it to help with your homework. Uh, <laughs> um, it was gaming. Whatever was the flavor of the month, whatever was the, like the 199 amazing thing that week. I used to get £2.50 pocket money a week and I would go to town on a Saturday afternoon and come back with a comic and a, a Mastertronic game, purely based on the cover artwork or that kind of thing. I'd never really read much in the way of like your Sinclair or anything like that. It was just purely like, that looks cool. It's coming home. We had uh, W.H. Smith across the road from a boots. So we had like quite an easy reach between the two. So you could go to W.H. Smith, pull through the list of all the stuff there, pop across the road to boots, see if they had anything different and base your decision on that. But um, yeah, so I had a massive collection of original games, um, which strikes me as weird now because I'm so used to having thousands of Spectrum games in. There was the piracy scene. Did you have any C90s full of games? Uh, I had a few C90s, yes, definitely. Um, um, it was one of those situations where you got the computer your friends at school had. It's logic. You're, no, your three friends both have a 64 or a Spectrum. You'd be a fool to go out and buy an MSX because you've got no one to swap with. I mean, this is interesting because there's two ways that this kind of thing happened, that you either pressured your parents to get the computer everyone else at school had, or your parents took the decision for you and made a hopefully informed purchasing decision. My parents asked me specifically what computer I wanted. It was one of those situations where we weren't particularly wealthy growing up. We weren't a particularly well-off family. So for my dad to go out and buy a computer was quite a quite a thing. So they wanted to get it right. So they just asked me directly. Um, I'm completely fine with their choice because, you know, my dad is the sort of person that natively picks the third horse in a two-horse race. He's just one of those people. <laughs> He's just the classic bowed luck of just like, that looks like a product that's going to last. This Betamax, this seems like the future. You can guarantee it would have been the wrong choice. I would have ended up with a, you know, a Dragon 32 or something. It was the Wild West at that time. How yeah. old are you at this stage? Uh, that would be 84, so I'll be the ripe old age of 11. So you're actually at that time where you're aware enough to be able to make those decisions as well. You can buy the magazines, you kind of vaguely know what's going oh, yeah. on. Yeah, very much. Um, You've got an opinion on which thing you want and what platform you want to be on. And you're being exposed to your friends who've got these other computers. So was it purely Spectrum owners in your class or was there a mix? It was mostly Spectrums and 64s. Um, this is this is a weird thing to say. And I realise I don't have a single piece of a Amstrad in, in my house at all, other than the plus three that is like one of my Spectrums. Um, I don't actually have any Amstrad. And I don't, growing up, I didn't know a single person that had a CPC. And it's weird I think that could be an age. That could be an age thing. What you find, or what I tend to find, is there's no uniform thing across the country. Hmm. Uh, they, they, it's made out that there is that there was always this. Oh, it was like this, and it simply wasn't. You're getting yeah, clusters I, of different users all over the place. Yeah, I think it would be fascinating to see one of those, like that map that is. What do you call your rubber-soled shoes? You you did you wore in gym? What computers did you and your friends have on a on a overlaid on a map of the uk would be quite interesting i think i think it goes down even lower than that though because to a low level because i think it depends on why was there a cluster of amstrad users in my town the answer because we had an amstrad dealer ah. if you've got <laughs> dealers 
around yeah. who are the shop in town. You've got the high street multiples uh, as one option to go to, but then you've got actually a specialised dealer who only sells Amstrads. Yeah. Then parents looking at spending 400 quid on a 6128 are going, hmm, do I go to Curry's or do I go and pay the same price in the specialist shop? And yeah. I think that kind of influences how things tend to work. Same for Acorn dealers. Oh, God, um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. how long did you keep the Spectrum as your main machine for? Uh, my, the Spectrum was my daily drive up until I had enough money of my own to buy a secondhand 64 off a friend. So that would be, I would have been purely Spectrum for, for three years, I would have thought. So you've gone to the dark side. This is rather a sensational thing <laughs> to do. Seduced. What on earth made you want to see sixty four as a as a Spectrum owner? Um, the sound chip. One of my earliest memories of actually being wowed by a computer was there was used to be a little church hall, ten minute cycle from my house, that every like third Saturday would do a computer fair in their hall, and it was trestle tables, people buying and selling tapes and joysticks and cassettes and that sort of stuff but it had like a little dais on the end of the hall where they would set up a com- they would set up like two or three computers and i remember a guy setting up a 64 and loading sanction off tape and he had the tv sound turned up way too high and when it started playing the music we all know it plays when it loads the entire church hall stopped to look everybody just turned to look at this thing and it was like that's really cool. That is a really cool thing. And from then on, it was like, yeah, I think I could get a 64. So you I'm, have to get rid of your Spectrum and sell that to the local small lads or? Uh, no, it was, a, it, was a, it was a friend of my dad's. A friend of my father's wanted a computer for, a, for his daughter. And, and you have to start again with your buying games. Yeah, I had to start from scratch all over again. We buy. I mean, was it the case you're buying completely new games, or were you going, mm, that good, game's good in the Spectrum, I'll go and buy that on the 64? Well, by then, I I was a... This is going to sound terrible, but by then I was a known face in the local computer games stores. Oh, right. So it was one of those things of just like, oh, hello, you know, what are you... I said, oh, I've seen this. Like, oh, yeah, here you go. You know, you ain't seen me right sort of thing. And I had a, <laughs> I had a way of getting 64. So I amassed a collection quite quickly, mostly on... <clears throat> TDK D90s, but that's it. You know. <laughs> so the 64, I mean, how long was that your main machine? How long were you hanging on to that for? The 64 was quite short-lived. Looking at it now, I realised that what I really wanted was a 16-bit computer that was starting to appear. I looked at the two computers and went, I'm going to get an Atari ST. I don't want any of that Amiga rubbish. <laughs> I'm gonna, I see where this is going to end up, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have no regrets about owning an Atari ST. I still own an ST. I also own an Amiga um, but that's I'm not attached to the Amiga in any way. Things in my collection, I have things in my collection that I'm nostalgic about and I and I actively wanted. And there are things in my collection that I've just stumbled over at a boot sale in, in the case of the Amiga, like almost fell over sitting I've, on the floor in a boot sale. I was going to say, the way your story was going, I was thinking that, okay, you're going to have the ST for a couple of years and then you're going to sell it. And buy an Amiga, but that's not the case. <laughs> no, I never, I never consciously. At that time, I was selling Amigas and STs in a in a local computer game shop. God, I couldn't keep the Amigas in stock. It was, it was the cartoon classics Amiga box set era, 
and I couldn't keep the damn things in stock. I, I had people coming into the store and going, how much are your Amigas? And it was like, oh, they're 379, I think it was, or something. And there was a pause and they went, well, Dixon sell them for 349. It's like, yeah, I know, but Dixon's don't have any. It's that, that much, yeah, that, that, that era where they're literally selling so fast. This, this computer shop, just describe it to me. Oh, wow. Um, in the basement of a shareware company, and they started off going, oh, we could just sell PCs and synths and make a living doing that. And you know, you know what? They couldn't. So they got Amigas and STs in. Um, so it was like PC 1640s, STs and Amigas were what we were selling. We had the occasional Mega Drive. We had the occasional snares, the occasional Atari Lynx, but mostly it was 16-bit micros. And that, that was the kind of really competitive era of all these different machines and all these different factions yeah. going I mean, around. I, I did so well out of the Amiga. I got a week in Kenya. I got like a week safari in Kenya out of the Amiga, which is ironic because I'm really not an Amiga guy. But uh, it was such a big thing. It was if you ordered a particular amount of Amigas up in like the Christmas run-up, um, they just gave you this week in Kenya. Like flew you out there, not all expenses paid, but pretty much all expenses paid. And um, it was amazing. It was great. I, I was on the phone to order the requisite amount of Migas that morning. And, um, <laughs> and I sold them all. I sold them all within like a fortnight. So yeah, brilliant. So Commodore UK had a completely different attitude to their dealers than the US yeah. Commodore did to their dealers. <laughs> Complete <laughs> <Yeah>. opposite. <laughs> it was, it um, was a good blag. <laughs> Presumably, then you hang on to the ST until the inevitable slide towards PCs. No, I still have my ST. I still have my ST. I have I have two STs. I have a five twenty and a ten forty. Um, I mean, as as a kind of main machine. Oh right, yeah, definitely. I had my my lineage is ZX eighty one Spectrum Commodore sixty four Atari ST eighty eighty eight two eight six briefly a Mac Classic. And then PCs. It was when and it's that kind of, as we go on, it becomes less interesting in many ways because we all end up with this homogenous yeah. beige box that does everything and has none of the excitement of those previous machines. Yeah, absolutely. I, Although I fix PCs for a living now, I couldn't be any less interested in the inside of IBM compatible computers. I just, my last, the, the computer I'm using to speak to you now on is just a bog standard HP. I get, I, I phoned up Peter Packard and went, if I give you 600 quid, what computer do I, do I end up with? And they just went this one. I was like, that is fine. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't built a computer in years. Stuart, a little bit of word association. Pick a, pick a number between one and 15. 11. Okay. I'm going to give you a subject here to say, first thing that comes into your head, number 11 is arcades. Yeah. My parents weren't, completely pleased with me the idea of their boy going into amusement arcades amusement arcades always had the waft of illegality and a bit of a bit of shiftiness in it there were there were two in our town there there was one that was reasonably well to do clean and tidy had a pin had a few pinball tables had a pool table in the back but was obviously arcade machines but the other one, the one you wanted to go to, was in a indoor market, was in the corner of an indoor market and was incredibly shabby, was really very grotty. 
and um there it was it was the sort of arcade where there were lots of young children asking for your last life like bugging you to give give them your last life really sketchy and um <laughs> it was also the the other news agent in town that wasn't wh smith and they got 2000 ad a day before wh smith so i used i i had an excuse to go in there to get my 2000 ad and while i was there just like oh they've got a double dragon uh one more number just give me another number between one and 15 seven tape loading what's your memories of tape loading oh the chutney um i i was i was quite lucky with tape loading i always had reasonably good tape machines my spectrum i had a alba i think it was tape machine which worked great but it was terrible at fast loaders and i had a little portable ghetto blasters pushing it but i had a portable boomboxy sort of thing and that thing would load anything you threw at it it was it had like a un- completely unbroken record. It was it was this mythical, completely chutney-proof recording playback <laughs> machine. Really great. That's brilliant. So you had those STs. So which when did you start keeping machines rather than selling them on? Uh, the ST was the first machine I consciously. Actually, no, that's not true. The first machine I consciously held onto was my sixty-four. I kept my sixty-four because I couldn't sort of easily offload it particularly you know it's one of those sort of situations the the first machine i sort of went no i'm gonna hang on to this this is mine and i like this was the st um and it's been a (laughs) downward spiral ever since he says leaning over and looking at his collection of computers so the hoarding begins there so how did you presumably by the sounds of it like me there was just a point where you were just these machines were completely unwanted in the yeah. mid to late nineties, and you were just starting to accumulate stuff. God, yeah. Some of the things I picked up then were were silly. The amount of money I paid for things then versus the amount of money I have since paid for identical things or equivalents. Um, I remember buying a master system for like twenty quid off a bloke. It was it was in perfect condition. It was just not movable. It was just not a thing anybody wanted to buy. But then I'm I'm the same guy who paid a thousand pounds to import a Dreamcast, so you know. <laughs> so there are extremes here, but those are those early pickups. Uh, anything else uh, apart from the Master System? Anything else you're going kind to of coming across? I I got a I remember buying a Mega Drive in a um, Oxfam Oxfam definitely a charity shop. I want to say Oxfam. I was given a boxed Z88 from a from a colleague of mine. I really enjoy the refurbishment of the product, of the item. You know, once it's once I've got it really cherry, I sort of I put it in the box and I go, Well, I own that thing now and I've rescued that. I've made one good Vic twenty out of three Duff Vic twenties. That kind of thing. And that for me is the pleasure of the collecting. I'm So that's your reasoning then when you're sitting there in ninety seven, say and there's no support for these machines. There's no no eBay, no yeah. readily available parts, no ready-made cables from Retro Computer Shack, <laughs> oh, no Futures 8-bit with interface, SD card interfaces. You are just picking up this stuff just to fix it up and get it working and then say, I own this. Yeah, I've always been... One of my other vices is collecting 7-inch singles. I mean, now I could just type the name of the single I want into a computer and it would find me it. 
I really like the randomness. I enjoy walking around stores with a list in my mind and going, oh, hello, there you are. I like the randomness of that. And I feel the same way about computers. I, it happens less now because everybody thinks an old computer is, is like a golden ticket to riches. Um, obviously, with lockdown, I've not been out to car boot sales for you know, two years now. But you would go to a car boot sale and there were people there that were selling things that you go, yeah, you've, you've been online and you know that these, that is an uncommon item. It's kind of taken the edge off that for me. I don't do that very much now. I've pretty much got everything that I've been consciously looking for. And I've got a lot of things that I've stumbled across. I've got a lot of things that I've idly flicking through vintage computers on eBay and gone, oh, look, uh, oh, look, one of those. Oh, that's cheap. I'll chuck in a 50 quid bid and then not watch it. Oh, I've won. Mm, Great. (laughs) (laughs) that's that's how i ended up with quite a few things on my in my collection that whole situation has changed where you talk about the car boots and the Mm. idea that you can walk in and just find something they don't really know the value of it or indeed not many people are interested in it but ebay the early days of ebay compared to now even a few years ago Mm. with how prices are on some of these things that you and i paid for Far, far less for. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I've got a, I've got a six switch, heavy woody two six hundred, that I paid peanuts for. That I, I just brought off a bloke at a car boot sale, like ten years ago. Oh and, yeah, um, used to see those everywhere. Yeah, I used to you see that. I never bought them. that. I never. I thought, why would I want that? I, I, I mean, <laughs> now I'd probably go, oh yeah, but back then it's like, why would I want that? Really? Um, it, it's. Mm. And you're falling over this stuff. I saw a C16 at the dump once. Oh, no. And I know I just thought, well, yeah, but what am I going to do with that? And I can't get, can I get a power supply for it? Where's Mm. the software? All this, all that. And it still haunts me (laughs) in my dreams just sitting there. Yeah. But no, probably I didn't work mean. anyway. It was a C16, right? Well, mind you, not <laughs> yeah. as a plus four. So oh, Don't talk to me about plus fours. God. Um, <laughs> so you've had some plus four problems then, have you? I have a plus you? four. I have a plus four giving me sad eyes as we speak. I have a, I have a very poorly plus four. <laughs> you, the future is 8-bit who um, sorted mine out, and I will state at this point, he doesn't do this for anyone else, but he <laughs> yeah. did sort mine out for me. Um, Use two other... I sent him two, and it still took him a third one to get all the parts to make one single working plus four. They are cursed. They are, it is an absolutely cursed computer. <laughs> My treat mommy with such respect. It's got a surge. It's got that special surge protector you can get for your Commodore machines on the on the power supply. Input. Oh, the little dongle all, on the power. Yeah, they yeah. are. You know, essential. Or anything like that. I use one of those, and oh yeah, no, it's um, it's a very well treated that machine. Um, yeah, the leading cause of death for any eight bit Commodore is is its own power supply. Isn't it? It's just, it's just uh, yeah, it's just just nuts. And anyone, you know, you need to get your power supply sorted out on your Commodores and get a protector on there as well because mm-hmm. you need to. So, what are the other highlights of your collection there? Oh wow, the highlights. Um, it very much depends on where you're, where you're standing and where you're looking. Um, I'm very pleased with the fact that I brought a very broken, sharp MZ700 
Whoever had it had tried to unsolder the CPU. It's a Z80, if I remember rightly. No, it's a 68000. I do beg your pardon. 68000. And um, they had tried to unsolder it and completely mashed it. it. Like just The iron wasn't clearly hot enough, and they just tore traces off the top and the bottom of the motherboard. And it was it was ruined. It was, you know, this computer was destroyed. Found the factory manual for it, and it had great big, the PDF had great big silk screens of the front and the back of the, the top and the bottom of the board. Printed them out at work on our nice big A3 color laser and spent days repairing the traces, like hard wiring the traces. Socketed the CPU, put a new one in, and the damn thing worked first time. And it was thrilling to me to have that work. Even though I have absolutely no use for that computer, I don't have a single piece of software for it. It's just a lump of plastic in my in my workshop. But the damn thing works purely because I was willing to put the time in. And, and it's things in, like that's that. interesting. Again, it's just having that working. And I recently bought a Sega Naomi arcade board because that's the way my idiot brain works. It sees things and just goes, oh, that's shiny. Get that. I think I used two or three, three Mitsubishi MSXs into one working Mitsubishi MSX. <laughs> I now own, I now own two MSXs and I have no idea why. <laughs> I don't, I don't You've got to have lots of MSXs in your life. It's, it's that machine that when you went again to the news agents, you were looking at your, you knew people with Spectrums. You knew people with Commodore 64s as an outside owner. Yep. Vic 20, that's a bit exotic, but it can't be any good because it this this game clearly needs a 16K expansion to run or a 5K oh, expansion, yeah. what have you. What's this MSX thing? It's like, what is it? And then you read about it in the magazine. It's like Nem- Nemesis, best version of Nemesis. Yeah. And then all absolutely. these years later, I finally have three. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you've got that sexy Sony, haven't you? I've got a Hitbit 75B. I've got the mm. MSX2 Hitbit. Oh. Um, with the white one, which is really nice. In the days you could import things from uh, the Netherlands easily and cheaply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got the uh, the fit Dutch Philips um, oh. MSX one, which I only bought because it was a panic buy before the borders all closed. Because I've got to get something from Holland before everything changes. I'm going to be charged a fortune for this cool. and it's not going to get here. So I just went on eBay and went, yeah, that'll, that'll do to get that one in. <laughs> Give. It's a, it's a beast I of would, a machine. Absolute beast. Yeah, they are honkers. I would quite like to get into some of the European 8-bits. I'd quite like to get some Thompsons and Oryx and that kind of thing. I'd- I've always wondered what the support is for, because the Amstrad has quite a big French community, and there's a lot of websites like CPC Power that are French only. So I'm imagining the Thompson machine's probably got a fair amount of support, but yeah. I can't swear to that. Yeah, old um, Brendan on Twitter occasionally wafts these Thompson like TO5s and things underneath you, and it's like, oh, that looks nice. Oh, God. <laughs> so, I mean, you've kind of discussed what this hobby means for you, but if you could kind of sum up you know, why you're still doing it? Why are you still doing this? I'm still doing it for, it sounds terrible, but I'm still doing it for the endorphin rush of getting getting a, a thing, fixing it. My thing is I like to have a complete collection of something or a collection of something that is representative of the thing. Like I've just finished putting together a Christmas Day Spectrum. I've just brought the manuals, um, the packing tapes from a Spectrum. I went off and brought replacement 
cassette boxes so it all looks clean and new. Um, you know, I the last thing I needed that I found a couple of days ago was the little grey and black headphone cables. And so I've now got a completely perfect, as if you got it out of the box on Christmas Day, spectrum. And um, I always, yeah, I always like to have at least one boxed game for all of my systems as well. You know, I like having the the most expensive and ill-judged thing of that was I bought a PC engine ages ago, bought a very unloved PC engine that needed a bit of work, got it working and then went, yeah, I need a couple of games for this. And I had to import them at like, great. Yeah, yeah that was a decision. That was a decision. That would there. be a thing for me because if I hadn't started Vision, I often think how my collection would look different. Mm. And I think, well, I probably wouldn't have some of these machines like the ST, but I would have a PC engine. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of, it's that kind of alternate reality of, well, if I had time, I'd probably play on a PC engine quite a bit, but yeah, it you know it doesn't work out like that, does it? <laughs> and so you're not actually playing any games or using anything on these machines. You're mainly repairing, or are you having evenings sitting down and just blasting Spectrum games? Probably heresy, but I tend not to play on real hardware if I just want to very quickly play a game. I will. I've got some of those um, handheld emulators. I've got the Anurbic. Um, 351p which is excellent it's a really great little handheld it can do anything up to neo geo maybe some basic naomi things effortlessly and if i want to play a game if i'm sitting if i'm sitting in a train or something like that then i'll i'll have that on me the weird thing is if i game now i either game on on an emulator or or my xbox i don't PC game because I can't be bothered. It's too much like hard work. I can't I can't keep up with the I now need this graphics card and I now need this amount of RAM and it's too much like my day job. So I if I if I want to play a modern video game, I just fire up an Xbox. Well um thank you so much for joining me today. Um where can people find you online? Well if they'd um if they'd like a Twitter feed that is mostly cats double entendres and the occasional old computer they can they can find me at bowdy at b-o-w-d-i-e on twitter um i don't personally stream on twitch or anything like that it's just me on twitter thanks for joining me cheers cheers Ginny. so thanks to bowdy and thanks to you for listening to this all the way through this has been the first episode of the chinny vision podcast because i couldn't think of a better name There's going to be no release schedule. The next episode will be out whenever I feel it's ready, really. Uh, If you like this, uh, please leave a review. I do have to say that because it's going to help this thing gain some traction because there's a billion other podcasts, right? Thanks for listening. Remember to check out the YouTube channel and all that other stuff. And I'll speak to you soon.